Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Are you good? Attend to somebody next to you and say, hey, do you know what? God is a big fan of you. Turn to someone next to you and say, God is a big fan of you. I just felt through the worship this morning that Jesus wanted to remind us that he's actually a massive fan of us. Sometimes we can think that he really loves other people or like if I was a better version of myself, he'd really love me. But he actually loves you, the you that is just here this morning. He's a massive fan of you. Okay, this morning we're going to look at James and the Giant Principle. Um, here we go. A uh, little bit play on words there, um, if you've ever heard of James and the Giant Peach. Um, but we're going to look at a verse that I felt that God led me to during our 10 days of prayer and fasting. Did anyone join in the Zoom calls for that? Uh, this 6, 8 and 12, 30. Thanks so much for joining in on those. Um, and I just wanted to say, uh, one morning I was on and it was like 6.30, you know, that morning when you've got morning voice, you're trying to pray and it's like, because it's so early. Um, and Joe messaged me and Joe and Moses were on the Zoom and Moses had said to Joe, Daddy, uh, is Lucy poorly? And Joe was like, I don't know, I'll ask her. Um, and sent me a little message. And what they didn't know is that I had a procedure in hospital on Monday and I've been quite unwell. And so they started praying and I was just like blown away by how amazing that was. And that moment of connection, I think what God is trying to do with us as a church is trying to connect us back together. And so even he can do that even at 6.30 in the morning. Um, So just wanted to encourage you to jump on that. That's Tuesday and Thursday this week, 6.30 in the morning or 12.30 at lunchtime. Okay, so um, during one of those days, um, I was getting to bed and I thought, oh, I'll just check the verse for today. And you know the Bible app and it comes up and you can just click on it. And it was Psalm 103, so I clicked on it. And as I clicked on, it went to James 3. And I thought, well, that's annoying. So I went back to the homepage, clicked back on what I thought was the psalm. And it wasn't the psalm. It went back to James 3. I closed the app, started again. You know that whole thing. You're like, what is going on? Um, It happened again. And I suddenly thought, ooh, Maybe I should read James 3. So I started to read James 3, and it was like the Holy Spirit went into my face. It's like, hello, I'm trying to speak to you. And this for me was like amazing confirmation and a huge challenge. And that's what I want to share with us this morning. Okay, so turn to your Bibles, James 3, verse 18. We're going to be looking at the message version. I mean, the whole of James is amazing. But it says this, I'll read it out. It says this, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with one another and treating each other with dignity and honour. Okay, great. (laughs) I was like, I really wish that it said, you can have this great, fantastic community if you hang out, eat cake, and do some fun stuff. Um, So we're going to look at this whole verse, because for me, the first thing that hit me was like, whoa, we can have a healthy, robust community. We actually can. And if you've journeyed with us over the last couple of years, you know that we've had some storms that we're weathering. And I felt like this was a massive promise to me in the middle of this storm is that we can actually have a healthy robust community that lives from the benefits of being right with Jesus but only if we do the hard work 
So we're going to look at what does that mean and how do we do that this morning. Is that okay? Great. I just want to say as well, just to let you know my personality type, I'm the kind of person, we moved into a house about a year ago, um, and we've just, it's a new build, so it's just like grass and fence, that's literally it, um, and we brought some plants from our old house, we put them in pots, and uh, for about a year we didn't do anything, they stayed in the pots. About a couple of weekends ago, Andy very kindly dug like a, fen- um, a flower bed, and we put the plants in, and that was like the Saturday. The next day I woke up Sunday morning, went outside, and I was like, why has nothing happened? This is so annoying. It looks the same. Nothing has grown. I was expecting like the plants to be like, great, I'm in the soil now. I'm going to go really big, like overnight. And I think this is the thing. I got frustrated because I was like, oh my gosh, growth takes time. So annoying. And in my mind, I was like, shall we just do artificial grass, loads of artificial plants? Let's just make it all look really nice in five minutes. And I just felt the Holy Spirit be like, oh, but it's artificial. There's no growth with artificial. And if we want to grow, if we want to develop, it takes time and hard work. Okay, so what are the signs of a healthy community? Let's have a quick look at that. All right, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Acts 2. And we're going to look between uh, 42 and 47. Okay, what are the results of a healthy community? Have a little look through there and then just shout out some things if you'd like. This is a little interactive moment. You can shout back to me if you'd like. That's, that would be great. Okay, so have a look. This is with the believers. So what's happened is Jesus has died. He's risen again. They've been waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit has fallen and they're now um, out in the world and they're making disciples. And it talks about how the community looks like. So what are some of the benefits and signs of a healthy community? Anyone want to shout out? Family, thank you so much. Family and connection, they were together as one, yeah? That's brilliant, thank you so much for that. Yeah, they had fellowship, verse 46, laughter and fellowship is what I've put, but that's family and connection, yeah, amazing. They broke bread in their homes, they ate together, they were together. Anyone else? Signs of healthy community. Signs and wonders. Yeah, okay, thanks, Andy. Yeah, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. This was not a social club. (laughs) The Holy Spirit was moving in power and they were seeing amazing things happen. And that's what we want to see in our community, right? We don't want to just go through the motions. We want to see the power of God moving through us, changing lives. Anyone else? Sharing. Thanks, sweetheart. Yeah, sharing. Full devotion to Christ and his cause, verse 4. They were generous in meeting needs, verse 45. Yeah. Anything else? Brilliant. Thank you so much. People were getting saved. Yeah, verse 47. That's the sign of a healthy community is that people are getting saved. They're hearing the word of God. They're being transformed and saved. Anything else? Commitment, thank you. Yeah, full devotion to Christ and the cause. I mean, those are just a few from there, but those are the things that we're looking for, right, in a healthy community. And those are the things that God wants to continue to birth within us as we grow together as a church community. So when relationships are easy, it feels great, right? You know that thing, like you just call up someone like, hey, let's go, let's go to the 
the cinema and let's hang out and it's all great. And we don't really have to do really hard work when it's easy. But there is a moment where when relational when relationally things are tough, we need to lean in. It's only when there's pain and conflict that we need compassion and empathy and we need to do the hard work of connecting back together with one another. So let's have a look. Why on earth should we even bother about doing the hard work? What are the reasons for doing hard work? Okay, well, the first one is, the reasons for hard work is this, is that you are fundamentally created for connection. You are created for connection. This is what I love about what you're doing at Barnabas, Neil. It's because not only are they putting systems and structures in place for these people to come off the streets and have a home and get free from things, but they're also saying, hey, look, we recognize they need community. They need support. They need connection. And that could be the missing piece. And so I think this is an incredible initiative. And so it's that thing is that actually we need connection A lovely lady, if you want to know any more about kind of research and stuff, one of my favorite ladies of all time, Brené Brown. She's a Christian, but she does a lot of kind of secular kind of talks and research. But she um, says this, what is connection? She says this, connection is defined as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, when they derive sustenance and and strength from the relationship. Like loneliness, we know, is the biggest killer, right? It has effect on our body in such a way. It affects our mental health. It can lead to dementia. It can affect our heart. I mean, it is seriously bad. And the reason is because we were made for connection. Even God made man. And I was like, hang on a second. That's not enough. I mean, it's not just enough to have a beautiful relationship with you and God. Wouldn't that be great if it was enough? But it's not. It's that we have to be connected to one another as well. And that is where sometimes the hard work is going to come in. So one of the reasons, the first reason to do the hard work is we were created for it. And as we do it and embrace connection, we actually become fully human. The second thing is this. Jesus died for our reconciliation back into a good relationship. I mean, That is what his blood on that cross pouring out was for. It's so that we can be reconciled back to him and to one another. That's the whole point. The whole essence of the gospel is relational. We can't get away from it. The third thing is this. And this is a good one. The reasons to do the hard work is we're not alone. I love it that Jesus didn't go, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to raise back from life. I've done it, guys. You guys crack on. He's like, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And it's you partnering with the Holy Spirit that's going to see transformation and change. And the fruits of the Spirit are what? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Well done. It's like we've been to like Sunday school this morning. But yeah, but those things, right? Those are the things we need in relationships, especially when it's tough. Love, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, whoa, I need the Spirit to help me. And we are not alone. The Spirit is here so that He can help us do this hard work. You might be saying to me, hey, Luz, yeah, but to be fair, I'm pretty tired and I'm pretty exhausted. I can't really be bothered to do any of this hard work. And I'm like, hey, I hear you. But if we don't do this hard work, culture eats strategy for breakfast. It's literally the case. 
It's like we could put the best leadership structure in this church that the world has ever seen. And if we don't get the relationships right, the whole thing falls down anyway. It doesn't matter what we've done because the relationships don't hold it anyway. And so for me, I feel like the reason Jesus has highlighted this to me is because, Lucy, you've got to do the hard work. And that is a massive challenge because really I want to go around in my life and I just want to do whatever I want and pretend it doesn't affect anyone. But that's not going to help anyone. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about how do we do this. Okay, so being a, um, there's a couple of ways of to do like the hard work and, and I haven't got time to kind of go into all of them. I'm going to home down into one that I feel like Jesus is really speaking to us this morning. But there's lots of different ways about how we do this hard work. The main one is like what Andy was talking about last week about being a disciple. It is that thing in it of like, Jesus, I'm following you. Teach me your ways. Let me understand how you would do things that will probably be very different to how I'm doing it. And let me learn that. Learn your ways and let me teach others your ways. Be a disciple, make a disciple. A couple of other ways of doing the hard work is through vulnerability and trust, through forgiveness, through brave conversations. My personal favorite is growth mindset. I think we've got to have a growth mindset. That's the mindset that doesn't say, hey, I was born like this. I will always be like this. I can never change. The growth mindset says, okay, I was born like this, but I can change and I can work on myself and I can allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform me so that I can look like Jesus. Personality testing. I mean, I know that's weird. You don't find that in the Bible, but it's know yourself. Like, you've got to understand, why do I react like, like this in some situations? Like, oh, okay, it's because of this. Ah, oh, all right. And now some people say personality testings are a bit reductive and reducing it. Well, are you putting me in a box? And I'm like, well, I'd like to know at least what the box looks like. That would be helpful. Yeah? So for me, it's not about being reduced. It's about understanding ourselves better. Why do I behave like I behave in those moments? When I am pushed, why do I do that? And so it's getting great, greater understanding about that. Choosing love, ex extravagant kindness, bearing one another's loads. There's loads of ways in which we can do the hard work. But today, I wanted to look at vulnerability. Turn to someone and say, oh no, she's talking about vulnerability. Okay, this is like a key ingredient in relationships. What is vulnerability? Okay, Brené Brown, again, she defines it as this. It's the uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. It's the having to show up with courage when the outcome is uncertain. In relationships, the only way that we can build trust is through vulnerability. You will never trust me if I am not vulnerable with you. And I will never trust you if you're not vulnerable with me. It is a key ingredient, but it's really annoying. I really wish the key ingredient was, let's eat cake. You know there's a theme, right? It's like, oh gosh. You know there's some people who love vulnerability. It's like, yes, I'm going to run towards it and I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to kind of work out. There's other people like, I hate vulnerability. I'm locking down. I don't want to talk about it. I'm off. Okay, so whatever kind of personality or wherever you are in that spectrum, stay in with me because I want to explain why this is super helpful for us as a community. Because vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, Joy, courage, empathy, creativity. Actually, without vulnerability, you can't have those things. 
but it is also the birthplace of shame and fear. And what can happen is when we've been vulnerable in a place and we've experienced shame or fear, we shut down and we make silent pacts. Have you ever done one of those? It's like you make a little pact in your mind. You're like, hey, I am never going to let that person see my hand again. Or it's like, uh, I'm never going to show up like that. Or I'm just going to, you know, you make these silent packs in your mind about how you're going to behave going forward because you feel burnt from being vulnerable and you didn't receive the same vulnerable vulnerability back. And what we have to do is we have to do the hard work of looking at ourselves and thinking, why do I behave like this? And how do I allow the Holy Spirit to soften my heart again? speak to me about where I need to show up vulnerably and ask him to give me courage to do that. Okay, Uh, so some examples of vulnerability can look like this. Talking about the mistakes you've made, owning up to them, apologizing, saying you're sorry, sharing personal information that you would normally keep private, feeling difficult emotions such as shame, grief, and fear, and allowing yourself to feel, feel them and not shutting down. Reconnecting with somebody that you've fallen out with. All of these things. It's tough to lead with vulnerability. But it is the birthplace of love and joy and creativity and beautifulness. So the problem is, if you've been in the world for more than five seconds, you've been in relationships with people, you will have had experiences of good and bad. And so often what we do is, through life, we get a little bit of a numbing process going on. We're like, I am just going to numb these things because it's really emotional. It's very hard to deal with. I'm going to numb a few things. So we're just going to look at a few little ways in which we can numb vulnerability. And the way we're going to, why we're going to do this is because I want the Holy Spirit to start speaking to us as I'm showing these. For you to start thinking, oh, okay, where is that? showing up in my life am I doing any of that okay um and then we can allow him to speak into us this morning okay so one of the ways in which we numb vulnerability and the reason why we want to numb it is because it's too painful or it feels like too much of an emotional risk but if you numb vulnerability uh you're numbing all the emotions you can't selectively numb So you can't numb vulnerability, but still have great joy and great creativity. Like you're numbing all the emotions. Turn to somebody and say, you can't selectively numb. And that is annoying. I totally wish you could. Okay, that is so annoying. But that is the truth. So how do we do this? What can we do? So the first thing that we might do is that uh, we try and make everything that's uncertain, certain. This is the one way in which we can numb sometimes. So you know that moment where it's like, ooh, everything feels a bit unsafe. You know, it's like religion. We've taken it from a belief in faith and mystery and we've turned it into certainty. You believe this, this is happening. And actually, there's a beautiful mystery to this. You know, I had a car crash one day and I got home and I felt so vulnerable and so out of control that I cleaned my house from top to bottom and it has never been cleaner. And it was because I was so, I, was, I just wanted to like clamp down. I wanted to make everything certain. Everything's going to be in its place. Like, because I felt so vulnerable. And we try and do that, don't we? We try and make things that are uncertain certain because we, we find it difficult to hold the tension and stay in the vulnerability. But that's what Jesus is asking us to do because that is where he wants to meet us in the moments the other thing we do is perfect I mean hey we're probably the most medicated most obese adult 
cohort in history, right? You know, we're taking fat from our butts and putting it on our cheeks and thinking it's looking cool. I mean, I'm really hoping they're going to look back in time and go, what were they doing? They're crazy. But it, it's that thing, isn't it? We're trying to perfect. We're trying to make ourselves look like we've got this all together. You know, one of the things for me is that yeah, sometimes I do compare myself to other people, but I think one of the main problems for me is that I compare myself to the perfect version of the Lucy Smith I think I should be. And so I've got this perfect Lucy. She's got a really good, clean house. Her kids are really great. Um, her car is tired. You get in this not crisp. Now, the Browns can definitely say they borrowed our car last weekend, and there was loads of crisp packets everywhere. So, they, you know, it's just that thing of we think we need this perfect thing to order to be accepted, to be accepted by others. And actually, we need to stay in the vulnerability of not trying to perfect everything and not perfect our kids. And that, for me, is tough. You know, because I want to say to my kids all the time, hey, can you just stop? You need to... And I just think to myself, gosh, if somebody was saying that to me all the time. You know, so again, i got to stop trying to perfect them all the time. Um, what else do we do? We pretend. And I, th I think I've talked about this a little bit, but... Oh, yeah, so we perfect. Sorry, and the next one is we pretend. So we pretend that what we do doesn't have an effect on people that what we do in our personal lives doesn't affect anyone else. And that's like, we can do that in our own world, but we see that globally, don't we? We see like, you know, oil companies and they spill loads of oil and they're like, it's totally fine. And you're like, it's not totally fine. Just say, we're really sorry and sort it. But it's that thing, isn't it? We try and pretend that the stuff that's happening in our own lives, it doesn't matter. It's just not going to affect. I can still go around and be really angry and, and grumpy and mean to people. It's fine. No one cares. Yeah, they do. And it's affecting you and it's affecting them. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's like, actually, our words are so powerful, aren't they? And actually, we've got to stop pretending that what we're saying isn't having a massive effect on us, on those around us, on our culture. I'm not saying you need to be perfect. Hear me now. What I am saying is in those moments where we haven't shown up well, what are we going to do about it? And as I was um, going through some of this, I really felt like there was somebody that I needed to speak to that I had not shown up well and that I had actually been really angry and cross and there was a lot of backstory that they weren't aware of and that I had shown up really badly in an interaction with them. And so we met and we talked it through. And uh, I just wanted to say as well, I, when I got back from that conversation, I had a little message from Sarah and she said that um, the guys were praying in the evening and um, they were just praying and they felt like they were saying oh who's on your heart to pray and uh, Sarah was saying that they felt that I was on their heart to pray and so they prayed for me that evening and I got that message as I came back from this difficult conversation where I had to own some of my own failings and I just felt like oh God you're so kind you're not asking us to be perfect you are asking us to go circle back round own up when it is our stuff and he is with us in it. He's not going to leave us on our own while we're doing the hard work of getting on with one another and loving each other. So just really wanted to encourage you. Where are we up to? Okay, I got three minutes. All right, so just in, in um, while I'm faffing around with all my papers, I'm so old school. There's not an iPad here. I'll just say. Um, 
So what I'd really love us to do is, I know I've been talking about this thing, and really I wanted to talk about today something other than that's really super painful, and like how do we show up well with one another. But for me, this is what Jesus has been highlighting over these 10 days of prayer and fasting. How are you going to show up? This is the key, I feel, for the next step in our future. How we relate to one another, how we connect with one another, how we love each other, how we forgive each other, how we trust, build trust with one another. That is the building blocks for the future of us as a community together. So why don't we stand? I'm going to ask the band to come back. Thanks, guys. Now, I want you to remember that the thing that I started with was that God is your biggest fan. Like, he loves you. I think that one of the things that I felt really in worship is that he's really thankful that each one of you in this room are leaning in to try and be more like him, to try and continue to love him and serve him. Like, this isn't, he is not from a place of like, hey, can you just do better? This isn't a place of like, he's like, you are incredible. I love you. Thank you for all that you're doing. And this is a safe space, but he does want to speak to us. So what we're going to do is we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, show me what does the hard work of getting along with other people look like? And where is there something that maybe I'm numbing vulnerability? Is there something, is there a moment in a relationship where I started that and it's led to a perpetual kind of behaviors that are just, I'm just trying to numb, I'm trying to hide. You know, it's that thing of like, for me, I know when I'm eating a lot of cake and sugar, <laughs> it's like comfort eating, like something's going on because I'm stuffing my face <laughs> and it's like a good sign. You know, so what are the signs in which we're showing up and we think, okay, Holy Spirit, show me what's going on. Speak to me. What do I need to do to make a quick shift of perspective and a, and a relational change? Is there somebody I need to speak to? Do I need to go and be vulnerable with somebody and just own my own stuff? So we're just going to give a moment just for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. If that's okay? Is that all right? Fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you never leave us. Thank you that you are the God that is for us, that dwells within us, and that loves us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come? I thank you that you bring life. When you speak, transformation happens. And so we pray this morning that you would continue to transform us, to be more like you, Jesus. You would help us be fully practical. Like, what are the things that we need to do to bring release and change? That you would unlock our hearts, that you would kind of freeze the thaw of, of kind of ice, whatever has made us shut down and be cold, that you would begin your work of defrosting us from the inside. That we would begin to experience the full range of emotions that you have for us, of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, faithfulness, of gentleness and self-control. We welcome the fruits of your spirit in our lives, that we would experience those tangibly. Thank you that this isn't a cognitive exercise, that you are the God of experience. And so we welcome you. Move amongst us. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's message. 
If you want to find out more, head to our website, finelife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon.